Well, imagine those 12 men sitting around Jesus in Peter's house in Capernaum. They must have felt quite subdued by Jesus' question. What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way, they had argued with one another who was the greatest. I suppose that Jesus was very aware of what his disciples had been discussing after he had revealed to them a second time that he would be betrayed into the hands of men and killed and on the third day rise again. He probably knew because he could have overheard them arguing, each one making the case for why he should have the leadership position in the movement, you know, if Jesus was handed over and killed. In their minds, they were doing what needed to be done, establishing a necessary hierarchy to ensure the future. They knew their own giftedness, their strengths, their faith, to be key components, vital to success. But Jesus waits to gather them at the end of the journey when they are at Peter's house and he can have their full attention. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. He says that because they needed a course correction they were dreaming about forwarding a kingdom of God movement, perhaps a justice movement, perhaps a return to holiness movement. But they were missing the energizing pulse of the Jesus movement, which was love and the humble service that flows out of that the self-giving love of the Father. In practice, love always has a character of humility about it. Not just the appearance of humility, but the real thing. Humility can be sort of painful to acquire. It's not to be confused with low self-esteem, Humility is proper understanding of our self-worth in respect to God and in respect to one another. A truly humble person does not hate themselves or disregard the gifts that God has given them. A truly humble person recognizes his or their own worth, the great worth of those around them, and the surpassing worthiness of God. You know, if I were to go into the doctor's office and, um, and this doctor would have said to me, she would say, you know, I'm really not very skilled and I don't have a whole lot of confidence in what I'm about to do here for you today. Uh, that would not actually be humility. I actually have a friend who, uh, she had an aneurysm. She went to one of these great specialists. He didn't even talk to her. He said to her husband, you know, this is really dangerous and I'm sorry, you know, this doesn't often turn out well. Better start making plans. She said, I don't want that doctor. So they found another doctor and he said, you know, I'm a really good doctor and I have a, I've done 
thousands of surgeries like this, and you're a healthy woman. Now, if he had also added, and we are in the hands of God, he would have been a truly humble doctor. Well, how is it that we step into the character of genuine humility, especially in a context where we're just barraged with messages that if we're not extraordinary, we're worthless. You know, I just, I mean, I love nursery school, but sometimes the message is, you are all extraordinary. And it's like, no, please don't burden them with that. They can just be normal, that would be fine. Or, on the other hand, you know, we feel that we are so special that we, or our children, should never receive a grade that is lower than a B plus. You know, it's a, it's a rough context to really live in to genuine humility. Well, the strange thing is that we can't really focus on our own humbling. It's something that happens to us that we can submit to or resist. There was a spiritual director named Fenelon who served in the court of Louis IV in France. He wrote letters of encouragement to all sorts, but especially to ladies in the court. One such lady had decided that her means of embracing humility would entail dressing in rags. Fenelon suggested to her that such a habit might rather draw a lot of attention to herself around the palace and displease her husband and possibly fail to affect a true loving humility in her own spirit. He suggested that she might do better just to purchase clothes that were a little less stylish and a little less fine than those she could afford and offer the difference to the poor. I can only imagine the reaction of that pious lady to Fenelon's letter. Gulp. Maybe the sting of tears as she let go of false humility and stepped down into the real thing. Hannah Moore, a writer, philanthropist, and campaigner against the slave trade, wrote this interesting description of the process of humility in the Christian life. There's a lot of words, you know, she's coming out of the 19th century, so be patient with it. Humility may be said to operate on the human character, like the sculptor, who in chiseling out a statue accomplishes his object, not by laying on, but by paring off. Not by making extraneous additions, but by retrenching superfluities till every part of the redundant material is cleared away. The reduction which true religion affects of swelling passions, irregular thoughts, and encumbering desires produces at length on the human mind some assimilation to the divine image. A lot of words, but you get the point. Humbling feels like being chiseled by a fine sculptor 
who reveals the image of God in us. All the unnecessary bits are filed away to reveal something more true, someone more capable of loving in a selfless way. Hannah was able to describe this process presumably because she had experienced it. But the staggering thing about this lesson that Jesus gives on self-giving love and its character of humility and service is that, of course, he embodies it himself. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, when he's admonishing his readers to let go of rivalries and to stop just looking out for their own interests, but to look also to the interests of others, quotes what we think was an early hymn sung by the church. Have this in mind among yourselves, he says, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, held on to, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. We remember that, you know, Jesus washing the disciples' dirty feet. Born in the likeness of men. And it isn't it interesting, God wasn't born as a rich person. He wasn't born as a powerful person. He was born amongst the poorest of the poor. Born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now that is a profoundly mysterious thing Jesus permitting himself to be being humbled by obedience to the will of his heavenly Father. And that action reveals to us actually the humble heart of God. God actually is humble, the almighty and everlasting, at the same time born into a manger to entice the prideful hearts of humans back into loving relationship. This example that Jesus gives us of this loving, menial, physical service, some of you have a practice of that because of your vocation. You know, you, you might be a caregiver or a nanny or a doctor or um, a teacher of young children or mothers and fathers. You know, you're literally wiping up stuff Somebody at the early service said, well, lawyers take care of people too. And I said, yes, some of them do, some of them do. Uh, but most of us don't, on a daily basis, have that just physical way to engage in serving another person. Love always has a quality of humility about it. One final consideration. While it is true, we cannot effectively humble ourselves, we can put ourselves in the vicinity of the master sculptor. Praying for a character of humility is effective. Finding ways to serve others is also effective. And conveniently, if you look on the back of your leaflet, you will see that next Sunday, the 25th, we are having a service 
Mission Day. It's beautifully organized. You can volunteer in any number of different locations. It's in the morning. There's a physical sign-up in the gathering space. You can also, I think there's a QR code that you can see. But there's kind of an opportunity for every kind of person, for your gift set and what's convenient for you. I really encourage you to sign up for our Mission Day. Finding ways to serve others is also effective. But the funny thing is, we can go into the project of service thinking, I am now going to do a humble thing and serve someone. And then we realize, rats, this isn't working because I'm thinking about being humble. But because God is faithful, more often than not, midway through the enterprise, something might happen to us that requires actual loss of stature or comfort or just the realization of the great dignity of the person in front of us. Uh, actually, a few years ago, I was serving in a soup kitchen in Cambridge with my college students, and uh, a very disheveled man came up to receive his lunch and asked me what my name was. And I said, I'm Marjorie Kennelly. He said, I know exactly who you are. He said, I'm your cousin. And he was. He was my cousin. And I, he said, I uh, was the person in charge of fundraising for um, an important uh, musical. Oh, gosh, it's the conservatory in Boston. He was the guy who was in charge of fundraising. And I had been to a piano concert that he was basically... Uh, announcing for, and he had just fallen on hard times. It was, it was, I will never forget that. This man is my cousin, and he's homeless. And that, of course, in a way, is an answer to prayer, that God meets us as we offer to serve others. We are given the opportunity to step down into real humility, which isn't self-loathing. It's quite the reverse it's honoring the true self made in the image of God who sees with utmost clarity the value of every human soul. And now I'm going to try again. I had a little bit of a frog in my throat the first time I sang that. Um, and this time we're going to get choir back up. And I'm going to invite you to sing that little servant song don't worry, if you really can't, you can just sing it silent to yourself. But um, I'm going to say the phrase, and then we'll, we'll sing each phrase. Brother, let me be your servant. Brother, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I might have the grace. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too, to let you be my servant too.